I'm Carlo, Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo, and this is my podcast. With this project, I want to explore the means, methods, tools, and examples of living on purpose, living the life we want, doing the things that light us up, things that make us feel like we're alive, growing, making a difference, and enjoying the process along the way. Welcome to It's the Journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to It's the Journey. And as you all know, if if you've been listening, I'm on an actual journey right now, walking my way across Sicily from the city of Palermo. That's the biggest city and, and well, the capital of Sicily on the far west side, across through the mountains to a city on the east side called Messina. And I was thinking a lot about that recently, um, just because they were two cities. I think Messina was one of the first cities established by the Greeks 3,000-ish years ago. And Palermo was originally established by the Carthaginians, I think, a couple centuries after that. You know, so 2,800, 2,700 years ago, something like that. Um, but anyway, I've been making my way across the island. I left on October. I left on October fifteenth, and it's now October thirty-first. Uh, I've taken a few breaks along the way, but I've hiked thirteen of those days. And um, of course, I've had a lot of time to think. That's part of what these pilgrimages, <laughs> pilgrimages. That's part of what these pilgrimages are all about. It's just some time to think and and be with your thoughts and be with your, um, I don't know, whatever 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 comes up along the way. And one thing I've thought a lot about that's what I want to talk about today is, you know, being a stranger, and how we treat strangers, because I've been one now for a, f- a couple of weeks. You know, every. Every single town I come into, I don't know anyone. All day long, I'm on the road. Sometimes I don't see anyone for hours. I'm, I'm going through the mountains. I'm going on these back roads, and I don't see hardly anybody. Sometimes literally no one for two or three hours. I've sat in the middle of the road, the gravel roads, and had lunch and took a nap. <laughs> Because <laughs> I hadn't seen anyone in so long, and I kept waiting for a good spot to sit. And some of the country roads, um, the, the one that I took a nap on, one side of it, there was a wall, and on the other side of the wall was uh, a small river. We would call it a creek, but it was labeled as a river. And on the other side was uh, a fence like a a wire fence, you know, for um, cattle. So it was lunchtime and I walked 30 minutes past being hungry, looking for the ideal spot and I just didn't find one. So I found a little patch of grass just off the road, but literally like my legs were in the road and I sat there and had lunch. But, you know, going back to being a stranger, I've noticed how different places treat 
strangers differently. And it's like almost a cultural thing for towns. Uh, I've noticed some towns, if people see me, everyone, and I've had a few people tell me this, they're like, oh, I noticed you. And I, I you know, they, the towns are small enough that they know and see somebody's not from there. And they want to look and like, who is this person? Who's this person walking through our town with a backpack? Now, all these towns are part of the pilgrimage trail. So when I've spoken, some people I've spoken with said, oh yeah, we sp see pilgrims all the time. And other people have stopped me and said, where are you going? Why, why do I keep seeing people with backpacks? So first of all, it's interesting that, that this trail has existed for, I think, is, is, a, is an official thing over, over a decade. And there are some people that still don't understand or don't know why people are walking through their towns with backpacks, <laughs> which is interesting. But so some people are just in a friendly way, hey, like, where are you going? Where, 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 where do you, why do you have this backpack? And, and then I'm explaining to them what this, it's called the Via Francigena. The, the the way of the French, I think, is the way you would translate it. Because, again, I've said it's this Norman trail. And the Normans were the Vikings who came down from <laughs> wherever Vikings came from, Scandinavia, uh, conquered uh, what's now Normandy, France, uh, became the French Norman Vikings. And then just kept conquering things, you know, conquered at one point, I think they conquered part of England and Ireland and all the way down here to Sicily and uh, southern Italy. And at one point, I think they tried to take on the Byzantines, but didn't decide either decided not to or they weren't successful. But anyway, they ruled Sicily for a long time and made these trail networks for their for their merchants and things like that. And that's what I'm doing. But anyway, there's people who don't know what that is and they're curious about it. And other people are curious and I can see that and I can sense them looking at me. And if I look up, they look away. Um, if they do make eye contact and I say hello or good morning or buongiorno, they'll just, they're um, uncomfortable. They just give me a quick giorno, buongiorno or salve, which is more like a greetings, more of a formal thing. They're, they're uncomfortable with a stranger and um, will sometimes just duck into their house. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I might ask for something or, or whatever. Um, and other times uh, people have come up to me and joked and laughed and, and just been really curious. I had one guy uh, shot out of his car. I don't know if I said this on this last episode or not, but he said, um, I'm walking with my trekking poles. And he stopped his car and said, Dove è la neve? <laughs> Which means, where's the snow? And so we laughed and joked about that. And um, uh, the other day, a, a farmer, uh, Franco, stopped me, and we spoke for probably 20 minutes and had a really great conversation. And he was out there, he was a, a sheep farmer, like literally with his herd or flock of sheep and sheep dogs. And I don't know, there was like 40 or 50 sheep running around, and they were just grazing. And he and another guy were, and the dogs were, watching the sheep and um, we talked we talked about all kinds of things about the trail and what it was and and um, sheep farming and where his family came from and my family and we had a great conversation um, so I don't know I've just been thinking about that you know like if you if you when you see strangers um, 
from my perspective, I'm like, I'm the outsider. Um, it feels weird to be stared at. And then when you make eye contact and the person just like looks away or won't say hi or won't smile or anything. And then, cause I've had that happen. I've, I've felt myself being looked up, looked up, smiled, and the person looked away. And then I went back to like, maybe I was going to ordering a coffee, coffee or something and then I could feel all the eyes staring at me of wondering who is this person and why are you in our town um, so I'm just saying like it, it feels it you don't have to be I'm not asking everyone to be my friend but like if, if when we see a stranger um, just think about no know that they're the outsider and staring at them feels bad uh, if there's not a any kind of human connection afterwards. Um, and it's different in different contexts. I've noticed at the B&Bs, I just had breakfast in my bed and breakfast. Um, and every person that came into the dining room, it was this big room with maybe eight tables. And each person that came in, even if they came in just to get a glass of water or a cup of coffee, they said good morning, and when they left, they said have a good day or safe travels or whatever. And that was our our only interaction. I didn't speak with them. I had other times though that you know during breakfast the person was chatting and where are you going and why and tell me a little bit about themselves. You know, it doesn't always have to be like that, but just I think it's it's okay to be curious. But man, it's just downright staring at someone and then looking away <laughs> and not acknowledging them or not saying hi or being uncomfortable when they say hi. Um, I don't know. It's, just, it's, it's really made me think about being an outsider and then how to treat outsiders, um, you know, to maybe make them feel more comfortable uh, or at least not overtly uncomfortable and then another thing is about language um, first of all if you've been listening for a while you've already probably heard me talk about the difference between fluency and proficiency for some reason in America that's fl fluency is the goal that everybody is seeking and people love to to talk about how they or their their son or daughter is fluent in however many languages. And I just want to say fluency is not a measurable thing. It's no other country uses that term. And I think we use it because so few people understand languages. Um, it's, it's, there's not an under, you can't measure how, how fluent are you? People start asking me if I was fluent with Italian in America after six months of studying, are you fluent yet? What, what does that mean? <laughs> and they don't know either because maybe they've never mastered a language. And then, but then everybody says, oh, so-and-so is fluent. Or you can look at uh, programs that are teaching you language and says, become fluent in this many weeks or months or whatever. And that's frankly, a it's an idiotic, it's idiotic. <laughs> what is it? It doesn't mean anything. Uh, I, I studied German for eight years and uh, I can, 
I can read a lot of things and say a lot of things, but I never, I was always uncomfortable when people would say, so are you fluent? Are you completely fluent? Because that's not a measurable thing. And uh, proficiency though, when I was uh, at one of the open houses for one of my son's schools in high school, they, uh, the teacher, it was for Spanish, said, what we're seeking for your your kids is a level of proficiency and for that it means that that they could go to a spanish-speaking country and order off the menu and buy tickets and get around and have conversations at a at a basic level and that is measurable can if if i went into a restaurant could i have the conversation around the food items on the menu. Could I ask for the bill? Can I ask where the bathroom is? Can I ask if it has, you know, if it, do they have vegetarian options or whatever, whatever it is you want to have. That's a level of proficiency around certain subjects. If you went to the hotel, if you went to a train station, being proficient at that level would allow you to travel in a country safely and ask questions around whatever it is you're trying to do. It doesn't mean that you could have a conversation about deep philosophical topics. It doesn't mean you could go to the dentist and explain, you know, what the root canal you had 12 years ago or things like that. Um, that, that, that hit me <laughs> uh, the first time I was in, or I don't know, not the first time, when I was first becoming more proficient with Italian and I was feeling comfortable, comfortable and confident. I decided to go get my haircut one time in Rome and I got to this place. It looked like, okay, this looks like a cool place to go get my haircut. Uh, it was all decorated out with like nine, you know, American, uh, American, uh, rock and roll theme with an Italian twist somehow. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, this is the place I'm going to get my haircut. And then I stood out there and kind of froze because I realized I don't know any of the vocabulary or words around haircut. I don't know how to say I want a haircut. I don't know how to say how long or short or style or anything. I was not proficient with that at all. I was proficient with saying, you know, talking about myself and where I'm from and why I'm learning Italian and how to get around, but I had never ever gotten a haircut. So I had to like look up some key vocabulary words and go over there and fake it, fake it till I made it and um, just say, hey, look, my hair's kind of messy and I want it trimmed up, but I like the basic length. So, and the person didn't speak English at all. So we worked our way through it and I ended up getting the haircut that I wanted. And then something else was uh, one time I went in to buy some clothes. I was in the first time I was in Florence by myself and this was only after I'd been studying for eight, nine months. So again, my proficiency level was very low, but I was already comfortable enough of just getting around and doing basic transactions. But I went into the clothing store and I had no idea how all the, all the vocabulary. I didn't know how to say the word size. I didn't know how to say, I didn't know what size I was. How many, cause, you know, how many centimeters am I <laughs> in my waist and length and all this kind of stuff? And I, I, 
had walked by the store like several times because they had the coolest clothes I'd ever seen in my life. And then and then they had a sign in there that said 50% off everything. And I'm like, I gotta, I've got I've to gotta go in there. So I like overcame my fear and I walked in there and this guy came up to me and I'm like, look, I love the clothes. And I pointed at the mannequins. I want something like that, but I don't know any of the words for clothing <laughs> and I don't know my sizes. And he said, tranquilo, like relax, you know, don't, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, we'll take care of you. And they did. Um, so sometimes you meet people that are super cool and super understanding and will work with you and, and help you figure it out. And then sometimes, um, at this point, you know, so I've been studying five more years. So my level of proficiency is much, much higher. But I went into a, a tourist information office in a little town a few days ago. And I was trying to get this document that the website for this pilgrimage says you can get once you've reached 50%. Okay. So I said it was called a munus or something like that, which is probably a Latin word. But anyway, I, I, was, I said there's supposed to be this document I can get when I've completed half the trail. And they're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. So then I doubted myself. I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to get it at the church. Um, so then I went back home and I looked through my book and I looked on their website and I found the page on the website that specifically said, you get it at the tourist information office. So I went back that evening and I showed them the website in Italian and said, this is what I was talking about. And they're like, no idea. We have no idea what you're talking about. So anyway, something that was probably, maybe it was done when the thing, it, it, it didn't exist anymore and nobody knew what it was talking about. But when we were in the middle of the conversation, I was, I was trying to ask a question that I just, I didn't have the vocabulary for. And it was a younger guy and he was a little bit impatient with me. And he's like, do you speak English? And I'm like, yes. And we quickly found out that his English was not as, he wasn't as proficient with English as I was with Italian. So after a couple sentences of him not understanding anything I said, then we went back to Italian and understood that there was just a couple key vocabulary words he was saying that once I got, that once I understood what the context for those was and what they meant, then we were able to finish our conversation. So I've been thinking about that with from, from a perspective of a stranger, especially a stranger that's coming here with another language. Um, they might have a pretty high level of proficiency, you know, if, if you're in the States and you meet someone who's speaking other, another language, um, they might have a very high level of proficiency at a, for a basic level of English. But then you say something that's slang. You say something that just happens to be a, voc a specific vocab word they've never come across before. Um, be patient with them and help them help help them through that because sometimes they'll they may have understood eighty percent of what you said but there's some word that you didn't understand at all especially there was there was another time this happened I was asking for uh, in Italy they call coffee shops a bar um, and so I was like looking for a bar slash coffee shop to get some breakfast and coffee and this was a very very small town and there was only one and it was 
a 20 minute walk away on the other side of town, which was a mountain. So I had to go around the mountain or over it through a labyrinth of streets. And he said the name of the town, but it was a French name. And he said a French word with an Italian French accent. I had no idea what he was saying. And this guy too got a little bit impatient with me of like, but when he showed me on the map and I saw the word, I'm like, ah, it's a French word. And just think about how we, how we butcher some of the French street names in, uh, in St. Louis, like Gravoy and Carondelet. <laughs> if someone actually knew French and they, you know, they, they were thinking they saw the word of Gravois or Carondelet uh, and I'm probably totally butchering that still. Uh, but if, if you said it, if you said a French word with a St. Louis accent to someone who was not a, uh, an English native speaker, but maybe they knew some French, they would have no idea what you're talking about. And then to be impatient with them because they didn't get it, um, is, is, uh, not kind. Um, so yeah, I'm just thinking about I've just been thinking about those kind of things of just like being patient with people um, and then understanding the difference between proficiency and fluency. Even just for yourself as you're trying to understand a language or trying to learn a language, what level of proficiency would you like to have? And quit. Sometimes people get really d depressed or frustrated about that. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not fluent yet because you'll never feel fluent. You could you could live in a country for years and years and years and still not be at a native level speaker. Um, that's really, really hard to do. So just think about what level of proficiency you'd like to have, what kind of conversations you'd like to have, what you'd like to be able to do with your language. You know, it's very different to just be able to get it to a basic level where you could travel and get around versus like if you actually wanted to work someplace or study or go to college or something like that. So setting realis realistic ex expectations for yourself and then understanding those measurements will make it easier for yourself and maybe give you more confidence as you're learning and improving and also give you more patience as you're working with other people and understanding how hard it is to become or how hard it is to get to a high level of proficiency and how sometimes when you're meeting someone who's, who's speaking English, that might be their third or fourth language and you know, sometimes people get impatient with someone and they don't know any languages. So being patient with strangers as they're working through uh, language, as they're working through being a stranger, as they're maybe uncomfortable not having their anyone they know in that town. Um, I don't know. I've just, I've just been thinking about all that. And I've never felt unsafe. I've never felt in danger, luckily. But sometimes on the road, again, certain cities, everyone stares at me with almost a scowl. <laughs> I've, I've learned to just kind of laugh about it because they're like, they're just like, who is this guy? What's this weirdo doing with the backpack walking through our town in the middle of the day? Why doesn't he have a job or what? <laughs> I have no idea what they're thinking. But, uh, uh, is, you know, for every every person like that, I, I run across people that are curious and kind and interested and interesting. Um, 
the other day on social media, I posted a picture of my, uh, not of my, of a, uh, a 50 year old vintage Fiat. And this, this little little guy popped out of there. I wish I would have taken a picture of him with this Fiat because he had this, this little yellow sweater vest and it was Sunday and he was happy to be out driving in his, his old antique car. And it was just, just in perfect shape. And I stopped him. I'm like, that is cool. I mean, we were speaking in Italian, of course. I'm like, that's a beautiful car. How, how old is it? No, oh, he was so happy and so proud to talk about his car. And, and he launched, he, he assumed he was the other, he assumed my proficiency was much higher than it was. So he just like, just start rattling off things and I was understanding about 60% of this the fact that it was you know 50 years old and it wasn't you know that expensive but he liked it and and how proud he was of it and um, at the end he just said thank you very much for your compliments he, he just was so happy and so proud of this car and um, I've Again, I'm a stranger. He's a stranger. We don't. I don't. We didn't even introduce ourselves, so I have no idea what his name was. He didn't know what my name was. He saw that I was some dude walking around with a backpack. So, um, <laughs> it's just. I think. Uh, I think it's important also to, to kind of stay open when you when you are the stranger. Because if I if I let the scowls of people kind of shut me down, I wouldn't have had experiences like with this guy or with Franco, the the farmer. Or yesterday, uh, met a guy named Jean Claude, uh, another pilgrim, the only pilgrim I've seen during the day walking. A, um, a gentleman from France and his wife was following ahead of him with a van, and that's how they were. They they were actually able to travel very um, openly, like. I asked him where are you sleeping. He's like, ah, oh, we're not sure. We'll see how far I get. So they had, I guess, like a sleeper van. Um, but anyway, we we had a conversation together, and it was really nice. So, um, again, how we treat strangers. Just think about how you treat people, and think about them and from their perspective. And then for me, actually being the stranger, you know, being patient with people who aren't used to seeing weirdos walking through their town with a backpack uh forgiving people if they're if they're a little bit maybe closed-minded to something like that and staying open and positive for when i meet the the francos or the jean claudes or the the various really cool nice people i've met along the way um, because those experiences make it absolutely all worth it so I don't know. I have no idea if any of that's <laughs> helpful or interesting, but that's just what's been on my mind on this last several days as I've been having that those kinds of experiences over and over again of being a stranger and being the the person who isn't uh, hasn't you know mastered a language and running into difficulties sometimes just trying to figure out where to go get breakfast or, or what what whatever. But um, that's what I got for today. Hope that's helpful. Hope you're having a wonderful week. Uh, it's almost November, so uh, two more months left in this crazy year. So hope everyone had a great Halloween and has a wonderful day and week ahead. Thank you so much and enjoy your journey. Thanks. Oh, last thing. If you aren't following me, I'm on, uh, I'm posting, again, I'm posting on Facebook but mostly on Instagram. I, I, 
I can't post all the videos that I do on Instagram or onto Facebook, just just purely from a time and energy standpoint. Uh, it's really hard to download it. I don't have I don't, I don't always have great Wi-Fi speed, so I'm putting more energy into f Instagram right now than Facebook. Although I'm trying to post what I can there as well for for people that aren't aren't on both platforms. So. If you're interested in seeing more visuals about what I'm doing, that is where to find it. So that's what I got. Uh, take care and have a great have a great week and day ahead. Bye.